two, one. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the second season of the Blockchain Expert Insights podcast. Today, I'm delighted to have Professor Nazim Nahvi, uh, the president of the Blockchain British uh, Association here. Um, good morning, uh, Professor. Good morning, Trevor. And How are you keeping? Thank you for, not bad. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on your article. I can see the, the journal in the background. Well done. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I, I read it with great interest. It's such a high professional quality. Uh, well done on the publication and well done on a great conference um, a few weeks back, Professor. Thank you. Thank you, Trevor. And I suppose this podcast is all about interesting insights in the blockchain world. And one, one of the most interesting avenues for me over the last 10 years has been government adoption into various technologies. And I, over the last couple of uh, months and years, I've seen, you know, the idea of blockchain being used in the governments and public sector services. And I suppose the first question as part of this podcast, um, Professor, is how can governments prepare for blockchain adoption? So that's a very good question. You see, if we, if we look around, if we scan the global blockchain landscape, we'll see that um, very few countries have published a national blockchain roadmap or a national action plan or some kind of high level strategic national strategy. UK has got one, which we published last year. Australia and India have one, uh, Germany, Bangladesh, Estonia, UAE, and a couple of other countries. So most governments are already late to the party. Estonia was the first nation uh, to deploy blockchain in 2012 in public services, the KSI blockchain, the guard time, which is also used by NATO and US Department of Defense. Then you have FCA, Financial Conduct Authority in the UK launched uh, the world's first crypto sandbox in 2014. Dubai published their blockchain strategy in 2016. So for blockchain in governments, we are well beyond proof of concept stage. Uh, when it comes to blockchain for government and, and public services, as you highlighted. So there are two ways I believe uh, government can prepare for embracing blockchain. And they could either have a very reactive response to what's happening around the world, and uh, or they can have a more proactive approach to policymaking. And the first step towards that is to to put pen on paper and write a roadmap, write a national action plan, a strategy, a framework on how to achieve those objectives. Because with the strategy, you have something to work towards. You have something to aim at. You have some short-term goals, medium-term goals, long-term goals. And, and you have also identified your future um, infrastructure needs, a strategy for multi-stakeholder collaboration, some targeted action steps, benchmarks, uh, you've also identified some challenges that you will face down the line, uh, explore some solutions, a framework, and also to just to construct some key components of a DLT-based economy in your country. And you also have a very objective and evidence-based resource to construct uh, an excellence hub in, in your country. So to, to conclude, uh, we need a, um, a digitally informed leadership if we were to uh, take leadership as a country in blockchain. Uh, and it's a part of a, a national digital transformation plan, I would say. Blockchain is not working in, 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 in silo. Uh, it is all connected. 
all the fourth industrial revolution technologies. What we need is a, a living, collaborative blockchain national action plan, which is industry-led, investment from government and departments, um, a technologically aware government, uh, senior officials, uh, and, and, and all working together with the digital business leaders and, and, and technologists. Fantastic insight there, Professor. And I suppose you, you mentioned a couple of core words there, digital, digital leadership, um, digital transformation, um, digital first. But I'm really interested in this evidence-based approach. And going back to one of the items that you referenced there, um, an actual you know, framework that a government can pick up for to achieve their short-term, medium-term and long-term goals. And those long-term goals might traverse over a decade. Are there any such frameworks out there that you would pinpoint that would be useful um, for government agencies? So most frameworks and strategies, they tell you what to do. What we have shown in the UK's blockchain roadmap is how to do it, how to evaluate and adopt blockchain programs, what we call evidence-based um, blockchain. And we recommend it for the first time in the history of blockchain, establishment of levels of evidence and grades of recommendations. Something that is very well established in other uh, scientific disciplines, uh, but not in the blockchain, to facilitate the development and evaluation of blockchain projects. And just to give you a background to this, four years ago, United States Government Accountability Office evaluated 10 large programs, community programs, that were costing more than $10 billion a year. And they evaluated them using randomized control studies, which we know that this is the highest standard of evidence-based practice. And the evaluation found that nine of them had weak or no positive effects on their participants, and many programs were not evaluated at all, which then led to the US president signing the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policy Making Act, which is now a law in the United States. So one framework which is, which is simple and very easy to apply is evidence-based blockchains PCIO framework. Uh, it's very simple and easy to apply. Starting with the problem. Problem, what is the problem? Then C is the comparison. What are the existing solutions? What are the legacy options? Then you have intervention, the blockchain in this case, and, and what are the outcomes of interest? And this, this framework, problem comparison intervention outcome, this has already been deployed in the agri-farming industry in the UK. There is a paper on the, in the JBBA, it's, it's all open access, as well as explored by numerous papers and policy documents, and also in the European Commission's 2020 report on distributed ledger, which calls for evidence-based adoption of uh, blockchain applications. Other important considerations, I think, when it comes to adoption are, is impact assessment. Blockchain has been around for, for well over a decade, 10, 15, 20 years. Are we measuring impact? And it is, a, it is an important question. It's a challenging task to make evidence-based policy decisions, especially in blockchain when things are evolving at a very, very rapid pace. Um, and also the systems are sometimes not very linear. So it's not always a problem intervention and impact. Impact can take uh, decades. So, and there is a very complex system logic. They're non-linear sometimes. 
So governments have to have a very flexible and dynamic approach to how they adopt policies, how they make policies. I give you an example. Our recommendation to explore blockchain for e-voting was published by the BBA in 2018, okay, four years ago. And it was presented last month in the UK parliament as an amendment to the elections bill. So they say it takes about 17 years for research evidence to move from paper to practice. So I would say that's not bad. Um, we also identified some key areas of blockchain societal impact, which is there in the, in the, in the UK blockchain roadmap. Uh, we are currently working on them. Um, qualitative and quantitative evidence should be embedded into the national budgeting processes. And I would say any country looking to um, uh, write their roadmap, feel free to get some inspiration from the UK's roadmap. Uh, use it, cite it, take ideas from it. It's all open access. Um, and, and, and deploy those recommendations uh, for your own economy, because every country is different. They have their own unique challenges and resources. Fantastic insights. And I suppose um, we're coming up to near 10 minutes. I just have two final questions. Um, the first is, what is what are the main obstacles or challenges for governments um, to adopt blockchain technologies that you currently see, Professor? So evidence synthesis of high quality data that will allow policymakers to make effective decisions is one of the key challenges. I get asked this question all the time. In the UK, BBA did all the hard work for policymakers. It took us almost 18 months to collect and analyze over 5,000 research papers, 2,000 case studies, consensus building, more than 50 stakeholder interviews, 150 workshops, and 15 full-time voluntary uh, researchers from Center for Evidence-Based Blockchain. They worked hard on it and then put together this roadmap. Um, so the evidence collection and evidence synthesis and analysis is the first one. Second major barrier I would say is inaction and indecision from policymakers. We know that there is, wherever there is a man-made or man-maintained trust, blockchain could automate it and often at industrial scale. 35% of US employment is only to maintain trust according to the JBBA study. And then you have other examples, e-voting, managing public records, government data. Another important challenge is lack of coordinated effort. What we don't want is one policymaker to stand up in parliament and propose one thing, and then industry and academia is saying, no, no, hang on, this won't work. So we want efforts to be synergized and synchronized. And this is why we proposed in the, in the UK's blockchain roadmap, a quadruple helix innovation ecosystem, which is a very well-established uh, concept where you have four key players working together, academia, industry, government, and society. Because a lot of blockchain is still very much unsettled science. And what we need is high quality research to make decisions on what's working and what's uh, uh, not working. Poor planning, I think, and inadequate measures to support industry growth and long-term workforce planning is another big one. We know blockchain is one of the highest paid skills recently. We are bidding for high-skilled workers who can work from anywhere in the world. They are in demand. So unless governments devise policies to recruit and retrain, retain this talent, they will go elsewhere. So I think identification 
and engagement with stakeholders, making sure that initiatives are, um, are aligned, academic outputs, your policy developments, your broader economic impact, everything has to be aligned in, 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 in line with, the, with your national blockchain strategy. Fantastic insights, Professor. And I suppose my last question is, if I am as a blockchain enthusiast or uh, someone who's getting into the world uh, of blockchain, want to find more about details about the British Blockchain Association, how can I um, get, get, get that information? So you can get in touch with, uh, uh, with myself. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Professor Dr. Asim Nakvi. Our website is www.britishblockchainassociation.org. We have uh, a very active social media presence. We are on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Medium, Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel where we upload all of our conferences, outputs, uh, and, and, and webinars and forums. If you wish to speak at our forums, we host monthly forums. You can get in touch with us, and uh, we will be happy to, uh, to have you. Thanks a million, Professor. That brings us nicely up to our uh, 10 minutes. Thank you for those fantastic insights. A lot of core points that our listeners can actually delve a bit more deeper into um, in terms of you know, the National UK Roadmap, the, the Quadruple Helix, Digital First, you know, policy, evidence-based research. So it's really great insights. And I'd like to thank you for giving up your time uh, today, Professor, to provide those excellent insights. Thank you very much, Trevor. My final words would be best time for governments to embrace blockchain was yesterday. The second best time is now. Um, this technology is too important to be left just to technologists. Uh, blockchain has reframed the role of governments and redefining the social contract between government and citizens. So it is, uh, it is the right time. And I'm, I'm very delighted to be uh, on this podcast to, to share my thoughts with you. Thank you for having me. And on that great note, thanks again, uh, Professor, uh, for those uh, great insights. Uh, Thank thanks you very everybody. Much. And that concludes episode two of season two, where today we looked at uh, government aspects of blockchain technologies. Thank you.